Welcome to season three of Ask Adelaide and Anna. I'm Adelaide Jagade. And I'm Anna Ile, and we are artists and friends. This stay-at-home season, we give advice to both individuals and art institutions. We're recording from a basement bedroom in Portland, Oregon, in the U.S. And here by a window in a studio apartment in Stavanger, West Coast, Norway. And now we'll hear from an artist friend. Um, who is our guest today? Who are you? My name is Uma. Uh, we know each other from childhood, childhood friends. And now I'm a working artist and director. And so if we were to be in Oslo, we would have been recording with you at the National Museum because you live in Oslo. Yes. Uh, but now oh. you're the only one who's in Oslo. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, who are these people? Uh, this is my okay. youngest. He's three years old, and this is Mio. Can you say hello? Hello. Hello. Hey, hey Mio. I bribed him with candy and a movie, but it doesn't seem to work. But he's gonna be get going with his study. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, I want to see the movie you're watching. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a very interactive. Very... Yeah, very much happening right here. Yeah, well, he loves this slow movies. So you're sort of placed in a um, semi closet. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's so uh, bad because I don't know a good word. Maybe you could help me. Uh, but in Norwegian, we call this a boot. You know, Anna. It's like a storage room. Yeah, and we call it budel. And that's also a very Norwegian uh, name for a girl, because it's like short for budel. Are you ready to help us give advice? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Uh, so the question we have for you that someone has submitted is, at this specific moment in time, I think museums should be asking themselves on whose premises are we attempting to be inclusive? That is, yeah. are, we just tick- are we just ticking off boxes and not really committed to inclusion beyond our needs for getting a larger audience? But I also think that your framing of the institution as a phenomenon needs to be questioned. How can an institution consider itself committed to inclusivity if there are individuals within the institution that are not fully committed to a real discussion? Yeah, um, I think it's a really good question because I've been asking myself the same thing. I've been working with this scene organization that's been working towards big institutions like uh, museums. And I find the big museum institutions to be really uh, not inclusive of the whole population. I find museums very, um, like, for one specific audience. And they also uh, reach out to the audience they want to reach to, in a sense. I would say art, at least art in Norway, is not... Uh, it's not for everyone because it's it comes with uh, certain privileges uh, to be engaged in art in the first place. It has to do with money and mm-hmm. education and also for the uh, wider audience. I think it comes with this vocabulary that the museum uses. That's mm-hmm. the one, uh, like the first things that hit you as an audience is that the vocabulary uh, say in the programs 
aren't very like in general for everybody. You have to know the genre and you have to be quite educated, I would say, to even like to even get the program text for mm. the museum. Mm. And it's great that you you bring this up because that's we hadn't really talked about language in that way, had we, Anna? No. Yeah. We talked about yeah. the distancing that the architecture can create. Museums tend to be kind of a fancy space. But you're totally yeah. right. If you walk in and you get past those barriers and then you have the program and you're trying to read about the art and it has this like kind of ridiculous language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. For me also as an artist, I kind of stopped reading the programs uh, or mm. even the reviews because it's like an, uh, a genre of its own and you have to um, kind of have been baptized in it to uh, mm-hmm. to get the whole genre. So in, in the question they said, um, are we just ticking off boxes and not really committed to inclusion beyond our need for getting a larger audience? So in these, yeah. you know, you, you're saying that the museum has to cater to different audiences, do you think that yeah. it is a kind of ticking off of boxes or do you think it's really um, showing a commitment, like in your experience with institutions in, in Norway? No, it's just ticking off boxes, but I even wouldn't say it's ticking off boxes. They don't even do it and it, they don't even have to do it. Um, and in that also... But you have to wait, baby. Uh, in that sense also, in the program, I, I would say that, um, for instance, now uh, Astrup Fernley has this very interesting... Um, <laughs> just wait a moment. Um, they have this um, yeah, exhibition uh, which is called Alpha Cruises. And I thought it was a really... Um, I thought it was a really great example of when they try to be to kind of reach uh, larger audiences. They reach out abroad, even though they have those kind of artists in Norway. And I guess it's seen like exotic artist. But mm. if you're Nor- a Norwegian artist, but born a different place and placed here, then it wouldn't be exotic. And then they couldn't reach those kind of people, which they think, uh, I guess they think like in a broad audience that, uh, oh, we have mm. diversity. Yeah, we have that in Norway also, but they don't use it because it can't be used in the Norwegian way of diversity because then it just becomes like bad art but if it comes from a different country and it has uh, totally different motives and uh, use of color and use you know of techniques it's like oh and it even was like reckoned like this might be a good candidate for the best exhibition of the year Mm. yeah it's interesting what you say about not recognizing the diversity that already exists in Norway yeah because um Mm. A lot of people, including myself, you know, when they talk about Portland, Oregon, they're like, oh, it's so white. And I was talking to uh, Lisa Jarrett, an artist here, and she was saying when people say that, it erases the fact that there are communities that have been here for, mm. you know, hundreds of mm. years. Yeah. Communities that, of color, people of color that have been here. Yeah. Um, this is their home. Yeah. And so, you know, in the same way that ends up happening here, of what yeah. you're saying. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's like also a good state of where the museums are at at one side reaching the audience but also reaching to different artists that they don't have uh, a diverse 
commitment to inclusion. And I think it's also very limited in the ways that they have the background in diversity in themselves. Uh, they should just like reevaluate the the whole system and the hierarchy they all already have instead of like whenever there's a new like at least for Norway uh diversity plan it's always like uh the fifth or eighth year the, the whole state is like oh we have to bring in more diversity uh, and everybody is like in in the institution has like okay this year is the diversity year or oh, scratch 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 and they don't even know <laughs> where to begin but i yeah. i would say that of course you can't begin if you have the system which is already like uh with gatekeepers keeping mm-hmm. it from happening in the other years as well, then of course you can't just have like one year uh, thinking that uh, because you have like this extra focus on one theme that you will get something new in because it's the whole structure of the museums. And also if they try to reach out to the audience, which they already have, they will just get the same answers they are having themselves because it's mm. it's their audience it's not mm-hmm. the whole of the public it's just like one really narrowed audience which is well educated uh, they have this higher economic status they are basically friends with <laughs> the museums um, and it's like this friends friends club mm-hmm. mm. and the others that don't find it interesting or relevant they won't get their voices because they don't even mm-hmm. reach that audience and they don't have a system for like getting out the voices and I think for National Museum I think that was a way of trying to thinking in another outside the box uh, with the whole application of new artists whoever you are send in your work we will have this uh, represent uh, being present in different cities and you can come and present your work. That's one way, but that is also one way through already different institutions. So you have to Mm. be in those institutions to get even that invite, even though they said it's an open call. And I guess that's the, yeah, yeah. I think that's the main problem. Yeah. Yeah, I find that kind of uh, uh, frustrating, even with like the term open call, when it's only spread in like a certain, yeah, a certain email list or a certain network, and it's uh, it's still yeah. very specified, like who it's for. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious because you said you know within, within a certain network, and I guess the idea of that would be that it would spread through word of mouth for people who are not on that list. But um, is it the same in Norway where artists are kind of cagey about the opportunities that they have? Like, do your friends constantly tell you about things that you can apply to? Or do they kind of keep it quiet if there's something that's competitive and they don't want other people to know about it? Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that people are quite generous with opportunities, at least. And there are like all these uh, like Facebook groups or like uh, yeah. I will send if I see something and I think of, oh, this is perfect for Uma. This is perfect for this person. Or like I'll send it or post things. And maybe it could be maybe post-corona people will be, be more greedy with <laughs> opportunities because <laughs> there will be less. <laughs> but uh, I still have the impression that uh, that people are quite open. But then again, you also have like a lot of... Sp- different 
uh, artist unions again, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. all the different unions also share different open calls. So people in general are pretty, uh, yeah, try to be generous with uh, sharing opportunities. Or what's your impression, Uma? Yeah, I get kind of the same impression that you do. But I'm also thinking, is it because I have now this kind of past with being in different networks for so long that it kind of, I think, as in the same way as the vocabulary of the museum, I would also say that like one gatekeeping into uh, this whole art world or just being like inclusive in art in general is the network, is the uh, yeah. vocabulary and is the... Um, I would also say it's the financial bit. Mm. Kind of everybody can be an artist. But I would say just getting to the table of like having that network and getting the vocabulary, you have to kind of go through an institution to get there in the first place. And yeah, that comes education. with, yeah, that comes with the finance. Uh, to even have that opportunity, I would say. Uh, with a lot of families I've been working with, which are like migrants and immigrants, second or third generation, they kind of have the free schooling as we have in Norway and the education. Mm -hmm. But to get the higher education is, I would say, the same problem as abroad. That, of course, mm -hmm. it's... Even though it's uh, free. Yeah, even though it's free, because it's a priority for um, the whole uh, family. And I guess coming from a more collective thought, uh, helping out the family is the first thing. It's not the first thing that strikes mm -hmm. uh, the parents that, of course, if you're really good at arts, let's get him into art school. Uh, and even there, it's a problem because they don't know the whole structure, that there are art school, which to apply, and it comes to language barriers and so on and so on. So I would say that like even getting to the network is quite of a uh, span, and I would say a way of just keeping one end of the society to getting into those networks mm. in the first place. That's one problem, and of course... Um, it's somewhat up to the individual to do something about it. But I guess that's where the network comes. Because if you don't have anybody else who knows about these things, they can't like give you the good feedback and backing to going into those places because they don't even know about mm. those places as well. And since mm -hmm. the museums are quite like um, closed for certain people and certain... What do you call that? Um... Demography, then they won't have those kind of people and they won't get the voices and they won't hear that kind of public. And not understanding that, then it means they can't reach out to them. And I guess it's also uh, a matter of will if they really want to. Because I guess like museums also can be seen as like the protector of the higher art. And they think of like cultural houses for those kind of artists is a good place and it's not fitted to be in a museum. So I guess it's like also the kind of the picture they have on themselves and which eyes and which narratives are being 
with power. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of times in the U.S., we can easily say like, "Oh, it's because these schools are so expensive, and you have to go in so much debt, and then you it's like a precarious、uh, future where you don't know how you're going to make money." But it's interesting to see that even when the whole student loan thing is kind of eliminated from the from the equation, it's still a problem of hierarchies and yeah, and, and it's still a precarious、knowledge. future. Yeah, whether、true. you have a、um, mortgage or not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say one thing because it, it's a、uh, the thing we talked about also comes into the whole question.、Uh, is it crucial for a museum to be open? It shouldn't instruct nor teach.、Uh, the how does the openness of the museum reflect in its exhibition text educational resources? That was really like uh, my uh, heart's desire to talk about the.、Uh, I guess museum, but also like the institution that it's meant for certain people, and it's also、yeah. um, the whole system is developed for also one kind of person. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading these Baldwin texts, and I think it's so uh, crucial uh, that what what he says about like、uh, this whole racism problem. And I think I, I've been just like、uh, translating it to so much because it says、uh, the problem with racism, it's the problem lays with the white, and they have to ask themselves why do they need to keep me in this place for me to exist,、um, and when they reach a level of acknowledgement, then we can start talking about it. It's. Really useful for us to go on different demonstration and to sign these different petitions and all this, but I don't think that we will come any further before the acknowledgement within the power or within the institution or within the state. It's their kind of job to come to、uh, the truth of themselves, and if they're not willing to tell the truth about their whole. Um, value of the audience and the artist, and what art should do for the public. Then it's no use, kind of, for us to have the these kind of、um, talks. It's good that we can ask each other these questions, but I think a lot of artists would probably say the same thing, and it won't mean any change if they don't want the change themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We can do so much, but I don't believe in a revolution before they acknowledge that there is a lack in communication and a lack in the broader audience, and there is a lack in the network and language, and the、mm. whole system and the hierarchy. Yeah. And now we'll hear from an artist friend.、Um, my name is Agatha Wara, and I'm an artist and writer. And、uh, I'm in Oslo. It's actually really exciting with、uh, to have you as a guest today because、uh, we've never been told before by someone. This t- it was Mahtalisa who was our guest previous season was like,、uh, you gotta have、uh, Agatha Vara in your po- podcast. She has to give advice. Like she has to be a guest. That's so cool. She's so cute. Yeah, I heard her thing and I was like. I think it's so cute what these girls are doing, and and then I started thinking about how um, people um, I think everyone's so bored that they're really looking for stuff to listen to and like content. 
company in the time of corona. <laughs> or maybe you're sick of talking about it. I'm not. <laughs> no? I'm not. I'm not sick of it yet. Have you seen Groundhog's Day? This uh yeah. with with Bill Murray. It's like from the 90s, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I almost can't watch that. It's uh it gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> like just waking up. I mean, it, it's because it's like reality, you know, you just wake up and you you just uh you're stuck like in the same day over and over again and uh yeah, it's uh <laughs> that's how I feel most of the time. <laughs> But you're mm. enjoying this this time. It sounds like, yeah, yeah. From your message messages, it sounds it seems like you maybe want to talk about the good things that have come out of this. <laughs> no, I was being, I was being a bitch basically. Um, <laughs> can I say bitch? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Am I allowed? <laughs> yeah, I just like. You know, these kind of like uh, misanthropic moments where uh, you rejoice and kind of like taking away pleasure from other people's social activities. Um, <laughs> so if I, I was just thinking about, I mean, uh, yeah, the Norwegians are going to come at, come, come at me for this, but I was thinking that it would be really great if May 17 was canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the Norwegian National Day. Because I was, I was, and it's a oh, yeah. huge deal. So that and summer, I thought would be really fun to cancel. And I don't really mean it, you know. I think it's just funny <laughs> to think about. Uh, but summer is, uh, summer is so exhausting, you know. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's just socially. It's it's so much. Um, you know, I think you. Know, I think a lot of people get kind of depressed in the summer. Um, it's very long and just kind of like this the pressure (laughs) to to be kind of like out there active and feel good and okay I'm being like (laughs) it's fine they 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 can all stay my family lives in Florida and as soon as okay I'm from Florida you are which which part Deerfield Beach oh my god what year did you graduate high school I feel like (laughs) <laughs> we probably know the same people. I'm from Pompano. No way. <laughs> uh, did you go to Ely High? No, I went to uh, Deerfield. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait a minute. Look at your face. Do you have a sister? I have. Do you have? A I sister? have three sisters, and they look exactly like me. Lorelai. Yes, yeah, it's, it's my sister. <laughs> oh no my god! Way. I, no way. I, I Okay, well, as soon as you came on the screen, I was like, she looks just like Agatha Romero, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my How God. did you end up in Norway? You're giving away my <laughs> real name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Wara is actually my middle name, so it is also my, my real name. I came here, like, I think it was 2013, so it's been, like, a long time now. Mm. Wow! I came right after. This, this is so crazy. <laughs> just that, so, so you from the same like you grew up in the same neighborhood. It's or, like no, we went to the same high school, and you were an artist then too. I remember. <laughs> wow! Wait, so we went to school together, like in the same years. Deerfield Beach High School. What? Um, you're you're ahead of me, and you're. I was in the same year as Lorelai. So you were a sophomore, and I was a senior. 
Oh my god, that's yeah. so that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I I remember I um I I started the art club or I I re um like it it had uh, ended and I like started it over again or whatever, reestablished the the art club. Mm-hmm. And uh I was such an art geek in high school. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, me too. I can literally um. not <laughs> believe that I'm having this conversation right now. God, this is so Anna, funny. Anna, this is so weird. It's like, it's just like so random. The same city, the same high school, like everything. Yeah. That is crazy. And most people are like, Deerfield Beach, where is that? <laughs> yeah, the Deerfield Bucks. Yep. That was our like uh, mascot. It was like, a, it's a deer, obviously. <laughs> okay, but then yeah. we have to have to hear like no the Norway thing then. Like, well, why? Well, this yeah. Is, why, is, why is this all yeah. happening? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> What's your what's your uh, excuse? <laughs> uh, my partner Lyndon did a residency in the Netherlands, and Anna was a participant there too, and so we met when she arrived. Wasn't it so nice to get out of Deerfield or to get out of like South Florida? Oh yeah, I like. Okay, there when please I was uh, I for for those of us who are not familiar with South Florida, just like, give us a little. What kind of place is it? I think that's part of the the reason why I'm so psyched to cancel summer, if uh, if truth be told, <laughs> because uh, Florida is just like so extremely hot and humid all the time that I think a lot of the reasons that I ended up in Norway because I was so tired of um, like being sweaty all the time <laughs> <laughs> and not being able to like wear anything aside from like a tank top and shorts kind of. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's what? What else is Florida like? I don't. It's just hot. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hot, and compared to other places I've lived, people care more about their appearance and their stuff and their car. Um, oh yeah. And th- th- those are things that like I don't care about. I I want to live somewhere walkable. Mm. Um, I, it's it's a diverse place. That's the. I mean, it's the most diverse place I've ever lived. Yeah, I mean, so, I like the whole kind of, like, mystique of Florida, um, that it's, like, such a weird place, and, like, the whole swamp kind of nature of it, and um, it's just, like, a weird place. Like, anytime, like, some strange crime happens in the United States, it's it's always, like, Florida's <laughs> fault, you know? Like, the worst people end up there. So it has this, like, and, of course, like, the beach culture full of its, like, weird, like, beach bombs that, that come from, like, all over. So it's got, like, a lot of, like, Harmony Kareen lives there, right? And he, like, and, like, Iggy Pop. And they're, like, in love with uh, South Florida. But, um, like, I think there's really cool things to tap into. But I think in general, like, as a kid growing up there, it's so boring because it's just, like, mm-hmm. sh- shopping malls and, like, car dealerships and like like these like um what are they called strip malls it's just like strip Mm. mall after strip mall after strip mall of oh just like franchise restaurants and um so I think growing up is like so so boring like you just hang out in parking lots and uh yeah it's it I I think I mean looking back on it I'm like (laughs) I think it's kind of fascinating but I think as a kid growing up in South Florida you're just really starved for something like something mm. yeah and it, it depends also what kind of person you are because my brother is an athlete and he loved growing up there he played soccer mm. you know it's like the type of place you can do your sports year-round you could be on a swim team mm. he, he liked the heat and, 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I also left when I was around 18. I just started, um, I went to school and then after school, I just started like traveling around. I ended up in Japan randomly for about four years. Wow. And then, and then I went to school in New York and then I moved to Norway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, can we ask you for advice? Yes. I don't know. Uh, I'll try. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. Okay. So how do you stay creative when you're not at home and don't have creative supplies with you? Like if you're doing a residency or traveling or Ah, living somewhere temporarily. I don't know if this will like be helpful for anyone, but since I write mostly, I just carry around like this little golden notebook that I have. I had this rule where the only the only kind of notebook that I could write in was gold. <laughs> and there has been there have been times where like I can't find that one and I need a new one, so I just like come up with another golden notebook somehow. And I also uh I write a lot on like Notepad on on the the app on mm. your phone. So I'm actually writing inside of my Notepad like I don't know, probably like 20 times a day or something. I have I have a there's a lot of stuff that I'm like jotting down all the time and then I go back and then I go through it and I kind of um, mm. use lines from there or like build build texts around those things. Pretty like immaterial practice. What about you guys? <laughs> I, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I also just have a notebook. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, a, yeah, in one way I feel like the question in a way doesn't apply to me. Like I, but I, like if mm. I wouldn't have... Like, if I wouldn't have something to document anything with, like, I think I would go, like, that w- I don't, I don't know, I have, like, a shit memory, like, I, I would just cry <laughs> if I didn't have anything to document anything with, like, no pen, no phone, no computer, no nothing, that I would, yeah, I don't know what I'd do. You just lose everything. Hmm. I've actually been using a, a Polaroid camera lately. It's not a Polaroid, it's like a Insta-X. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's kind of something, it's like easy to carry and then I just like take pictures. Oh, but this is a really fun tip actually. I went into Klaus Olsen and they're selling disposable cameras and I've been going on walks and uh, like it gives me something to do on my walk. <laughs> I take pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the in the question it's asking how do you stay creative without creative supplies and I think creativity is more than just uh, making art I yeah. think, in my life. Hmm. Like, um, I, depending on my situation, I adapt and make different kinds of things, but I'm always making. So sometimes I'm like really into cooking, making ice cream, baking, like doing these really, um, in-depth projects with food. And then sometimes I am like trying to figure out how to make my own clothes, which I'm really bad at, but like, I, you know, I take the time to do that. Um, so creativity can be all kinds of things. I guess it depends on where the person is. If they're talking about like going to a short residency, um, I've done this thing where I just like show up with the basic things I would need, like an exacto knife, um, scissors, just like pencil, just basic stuff. And then let myself see what mm. the materials in the place are, the situation. And sometimes I just make videos with my phone because hmm. that's something I always have with me. Like you said, you know, a notebook yeah. or a camera. I, um, there's always a way now to, to make work. Yeah. And I also yeah. find like if I, cause I uh, often... Well, often I sometimes do make uh, things, 
things with materials <laughs> and if uh like so for example now like i haven't been much in my studio and while well, i've been doing like film stuff or like stuff that doesn't involve like what was the word creative supplies whatever that means so so yeah. now i'm like sort of fantasizing like oh like i'm I'm having these like images in my head <laughs> i'm like sort of dreaming of what i can like touch and lick things you know like and <laughs> future future yeah, so like the stuff that's ahead. So sometimes, like if I if a kid mm-hmm. don't have access to like make things, I just like it makes me sort of more uh, anxious and excited to like to get to that place or that time mm-hmm. in the future, the future where I can. I yeah, I really like residencies that are like um, that. They're like we don't have an exhibition program. Mm. or mm-hmm. or that like you yeah you're not expected to like show show anything or make an exhibition or even have like studio visits um yeah I like that too. yeah because then you can just like use that time to just be there and see try mm. things and see kind of what comes out yeah. I think that's how residencies should be you know yeah I think that's like the like it's it's a sort of generosity that seems so so beautiful that it's like I can't believe it's true and when it happens I think mm-hmm. it's like the yeah. it's the best thing otherwise like I don't know it's also this feeling like people want something from you which can be really and, annoying and a lot of them also want to like I haven't done that many residencies but like I I see like applications for some and they want you to like relate it to their environment or their um context somehow and I also find those kind of requirements kind of annoying <laughs> Because it's like, like, like there's one in the north of Norway that I was looking at and they're like, we really want people that relate to this environment or like, I forget how they said it, but it's just like, okay, so I have to make a work that's like about the extreme weather conditions or like, so yeah, somehow it's just, yeah, it's, uh, even that, even that, even though that's not like the requirement to make an exhibition, it's still yeah. putting some, it's still like directing your thoughts in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Where you might w- make work about that anyway, if yeah. they just gave you the freedom, <laughs> you know, you might, that might be the product in the end, but to totally. specify. But I thought I had, <clears throat> I was at a residency in Iceland a few years ago and I felt really bad because I was, I was not so excited about like Northern Lights and I actually found it like a little too windy there. <laughs> So I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, I felt so ashamed. I was like, I don't, I I can't be here. Like, I, I, I'm not worth this. You know, like, like I don't know how to appreciate my surroundings. Like, I think it's really nice to like just make this cup of tea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that should be fine. I actually just right before coming to Portland, I was doing a residency in Florida at the Norton Museum in West Palm Beach. Oh, cool. And it was like the first, uh, me and the other artists were the first two artists they had. Mm -hmm. And so some people at the museum were so confused because they were like, what are you supposed to do here? Like, what is your job? We're like, whatever we want. Like, you didn't even have to make work, which I thought was pretty amazing. I did. But, (laughs) you know, it's just like, come here and do whatever you want. It could be walking around. It could be reading. That's so nice. That's so advanced for the Norton Museum. It's like this kind of like um, more traditional kind of museum, right? I think still. Well, they opened a new building last year and oh, yeah. it's really changed. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't when know. When you see like the artists they have come coming and giving talks, you're like, oh, they're really trying to change. Mm. 
it sounds really cool actually that they're just like walk around <laughs> do whatever you want this kind of like undesigned undesignated role or just like mm-hmm. you just have to be the artist and perform like being the artist kind of um okay here's another question from an artist how important is consistency in my work can i work in more than one style and still be marketable yes of course or oh the question is can i be marketable i don't know (laughs) no (laughs) stop turn around just do one thing (laughs) Uh, that's a, that's a hard one. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've noticed now. I, maybe it's even more with the, like the virus now. There are all these like master class ads, like or just like classes online that shows up. Uh, mm. So uh, <clears throat> I need to learn more about the market <laughs> soon. I think. I mean, yeah, they're talking about marketability. Did they use the word uh, marketable? Did yeah. they use that word? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it depends, like, if you want to be marketable. I mean, I don't know if this question is coming from Norway or um, or somewhere with where that question uh, would matter more. <laughs> or yeah. if they if they if they are referring to, like, uh, becoming like a like a selling artist in a market, like an art market. Um, yeah, because as, as we know that, um, there's not a lot of commercial art galleries in Oslo or in Norway, there are some, but there aren't that many. So I don't think that, um, for artists having a practice in, in Norway, it's, it's like the, the main goal, you know, it's not, I mean, Mm. um, so how would it be like thinking of like a, uh, an American context Would the Mm. answer be different yeah definitely I mean I haven't been in the U.S. in a long time um so maybe I'm not the best one to answer that maybe uh Adelaide knows more about that but I just know like the Uh, the surface stuff like everybody else like yes artists are like working really hard to try to get some kind of like market um or some kind of gallery representation but I think even if we read this and read the word marketable as not um, selling, but as selling yourself. Mm. You know, like for instance, do people need to be able to recognize my work by seeing it because Mm. it's all consistent? Like a perception, kind of. Mm. Yeah, so like if I'm applying for this, you know, opportunity, Mm. can my work look different a year from now and they still would be interested? I think that's always really hard. Um, You know, it's like there's so many artists that haven't gone that way um like Isa Genskin for example like I always think about her as somebody who was doing like so many different things and pursuing so many different styles of working and she was getting overlooked for a really long time um I think until like the early 2000s or something I don't don't quote me on that you know and it's uh there's so many artists that like if you're if you're changing the way that you work all the time um if you're not just sticking to one thing uh which <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> um it might be like a harder uh harder to get visibility um in the end but you can't i don't think you can 
focus on that um, because you can't really do anything about that. I mean, what, like, what you make mm-hmm. is what you make, you know. Yeah, I think. I, and I just think I don't know. I, I I'm, I mean, par- partly why I do art is because I like, uh, I I don't like to be bored too much. You know, like I wanna hmm. I wanna have fun. <laughs> I wanna explore. Mm. I, I love I love like, I. I love feeling surprised, like by like, oh, can I do that? Like, oh my god, I made it. Did I think of just that? Oh my god, I mean, like, yeah. trying to impress myself or being surprised by myself, which is, which is, uh, which would be really I'm difficult. So brilliant. <laughs> I'm so okay. Yeah, once a week, I'm really brilliant, or maybe like once my a month. My mind or... is so powerful. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, and I think you can't. You you just do what you do and what what you make is what you make and um that's why I make stuff you know uh it's it's yeah I just it's I don't think it's something that you can control consciously uh maybe some people can but I think uh I think if you can't you can't and I think you'll learn that the more you do it <laughs> like yeah yeah I think you just have to know your work and and believe in what yeah. you're doing and it'll come across. It will take longer, I yeah. think, you know, because people can't recognize your work right away. But I mean, but like, if you, if, it, okay, as long as you're, like, I'm one person. I make things. I produce things. I, like, think of things. And after, like, five years, when I look at the things I made, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah, fine, I see something. And it's like, <laughs> I get to be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is me. Or, like, I mean, it's, like, still from one yeah, person, that's you know? That's true. And yeah. I mm-hmm. I think it's been I've because I well I haven't been struggling with this myself but I know like people I made like a, a book with some of my previous works and people will look at it and it's like oh which group show was this you know and I'll be like it's <laughs> it's all <laughs> I made them all <laughs> you know oh. and 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 maybe that can be more difficult to understand like how to read my work but at the same time I also think it's more f- uh, f- fun for myself. Like I just like basically just want to entertain myself by my work, so like when I or yeah. trying to find connections or see where do things come from. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I think those things come after the fact or like after a long mm. time. You can kind of surprise yourself and and see like oh those things are connected, and actually in in some ways I always think that what I'm doing is what I was, what I was interested in when I was like sixteen. yeah it always Mm -hmm. it always kind of like but that's something that I don't know unless I'm kind of like um it's like a hindsight thing when I look Mm. back yeah but but I do think what you said about visibility is um like it's it is very visible to see that like among colleagues or if you have like a, a recognizable work that like oh this is from this person it makes it easier to well, marketable to sell or to to even like to to be invited for something when people sort of know what they'll expect mm, uh, yeah. so like yeah if you're commissioned to do a new work then maybe um like the institution would have some idea of like okay if we need someone to do something with this history of the mines in that town or blah blah, blah something something then they know like mm. oh this this artist has like a granite background or a, I don't know, like mm. a his, like, I don't know, like historical narrative yeah, material, so material yeah, yeah. or like content wise, either, either way. But it's like, then they know who they can ask. They won't be like, but isn't that oh. horrible? 
Yeah, it's a little bit lazy too to be like, oh, I know what I'm going to get out of this artist. Like sometimes I just want people to believe in me enough that they trust what I'm going to do. Yeah, but then but they wouldn't trust you enough to put you in a group yeah. show. Or not trust you enough, but they like they wouldn't be able to like match maybe. Yeah, like, that's the thing with like um with mu- I I shouldn't say with museums, but it's with this kind of curating that is uh where people uh where artists are sort of like um commodities and mm. uh and and they can sort of be um certain expectations can be put on them to like deliver the product that they're recognized for mm. and uh mm-hmm. and that's um I don't think that feels very good for anyone um so yeah I mean I just think that that's kind of like what they do is their business and what what artists do is their business and um i think the gaining visibility and all of that stuff is um what does oprah say <laughs> actually she says uh she says she says something like luck is the come on you guys help me she says something like oh luck it's like an is, equation it's preparation and opportunity <laughs> When they meet, yeah, something like that. So just, just think, just, uh, just think about what Oprah says. Just be prepared, and uh, embrace the opportunity. <laughs> Sorry. So this season, uh, someone asked, "I keep falling in love with other people. How can I live well with this situation while still in a relationship?" Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 I mean, falling in love is super fun. Who doesn't want Who doesn't want to do that? You know. Um, but if you're in a relationship and you're like crushing on others, is that what that means? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And we're assuming monogamous relationship that they want to stay monogamous. Like, how do you deal with falling in love with other people? Hmm. Oh shit. But falling in love. I mean, I think you can be in love with two people at the same time, of course. Uh all is fair in love and war. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go for both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm I don't just like, mean that. I was like, oh, uh, refreshing. <laughs> That's the first time we given that advice. <laughs> no, I don't know. Who knows? Just uh I mean, because who's to say that that other person that you fell in love with is not like your soulmate, your true love, your soulmate? Um, maybe I don't know. Love is complicated. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what about you guys? What do you think? Oh yeah, we yeah, about this one a lot. yeah. Oh yeah. My my short answer is like if I'm not depressed. Uh, clinically, I, I'm just like I I crush on like a lot of people, um, mm. and uh, <laughs> I was like I don't tell my boyfriend about everything, but he's like we're like in this one studio apartment, <laughs> so but he's watching the film. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so he Aww, can't hear me because I'm not telling him. Ever. What? He's like with headphones, yeah, like yeah, under so. a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, I tried. Well, I just like tell him a little bit so to like take the edge off things because i like i just know i get really excited but he's like he's like my home mm. so i'm like it's That's so beautiful. but uh but it's the first time like i've been like i don't know like felt like 
home with someone. So I'm just like, I'm so afraid I'm gonna mess it up. So I just yeah. try to accept that I'm generally excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a lot to give to somebody the um, like monogamy to say like uh, especially when you're kind of like or when you get married or when you're kind of in this long committed thing to say like I choose you out of all of the humans in the world to to have like an like a intimate sexual relationship with and it, it's it's basically like an act of like exclusion like yeah saying yeah. no to like every other possibility so oh, it's, I, I... Yeah. I just need, you have to comment on this, because you, you're married on which year, Adelaide? Oh, me? Uh, uh, 12 years now? Yeah. Oh, say something about yeah. the exclu- exclusion of everyone else for the t- mm. Um, I mean, with the exclusion of everyone else, I think you open up the door for that relationship to have, like, a a deep level of trust. I mean, of course, all relationships don't last, but if they, if the premise of your relationship is we're going to be together until one of us dies or both of us die at the same time in the same exact moment. Hopefully. Um, (laughs) Then um, I think it allows you to think differently about the present and the future. Yeah. And have, at least personally for me, have like a, a level of trust that I don't know. I I don't know because I can't compare it to another experience that I don't have, but um a level of trust that I think wouldn't be as possible if I thought the other person was only temporarily with me or they were seeking out other people. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, I think. But I think it's fun to have crushes. I mean, the question has falling in love as the Yeah, thing but I, I, I think... And that, that's when it can... I, I have to... Uh, how was your Norwegian, Agatha? It's like Ferenska. Mm. The question was in Norwegian, so I can't... I, I think oh. the, there's like some different words for you know like crushes and infatuation and you know like so but this means like love um I mean also like there's like falling in love is like more connected to infatuation than like it's like a passing thing it's a temporary thing and also like mm. right love like falling in love versus like loving um mm-hmm. that those are like kind of two different things I think um yeah so the the this person seeking uh advice should be more specific <laughs> yeah they, for, the, for our next mean? season we need more that's actually true because 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 if it's just like oh am i ovulating or what is this you know but <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's another podcast i listen to called tiger belly um but there they like send in questions and they give like a little bit of like uh, their own story about it, like a little paragraph. Mm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. currently in a 10 year monogamous relationship and I'm in like in love with my coworker. And then you kind of like get more yeah. info. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That could be good. That's really good, actually. Um, note for next season, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More context. <laughs> Thanks for listening to season three of Ask Adelie and Anna, which was commissioned by the National Museum in Norway.